Thanks for checking out the Reveal Vineyard podcast. We are a Jesus-centered community in El Mirage, Arizona. We hope through these conversations your spirit will be stirred. For more information, you can visit our website at www.revealvineyard.com. Amen. Oh Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall proclaim your praise. The Lord's unfailing love and mercy never cease. Fresh as the morning and sure as the sunrise. Amen? Amen. All right. So we are starting a new series, like Marty said today, called How Is Your Soul? And the title of this series actually came from a story that Phil Strout, who is the director of uh, Vineyard Churches in in the United States, which were part of that association, um, that he shared at a, a pastor's conference recently. And he was sharing a story about a mentor in his life who deeply impacted him and would often ask him this question, how is your soul? Of course, he described it as a guy with a deep radio voice, and he would say, how is your soul, Phil? And so he would always say that, but I don't really have that. But I wanted to take on this series because, quite honestly, the thing that I have always felt that was severely lacking in the church, in our culture as a whole, is spiritual formation. It's something I find lacking in myself from time to time. And when I feel spiritually depleted, it's the thing that I need most. Now, I say spiritual formation, but you could also just say spiritual growth. So for the sake of clarity, those two terms, spiritual formation and spiritual growth, are interchangeable. So I may bounce back and forth between those two terms, but for the sake of our discussion this morning, they essentially mean the same thing. Now, if I'm being fair... Most of us want to grow spiritually. Now, I say most because anytime you make an absolute claim or say, you know, a blanket statement of always, all, and never, someone always comes along and makes a liar out of you. So while most of us want to grow spiritually, often we don't know how. But what you need to know up front is that spiritual growth is not something that happens to us. Okay, you don't just go to some event and then boom, you have it. Rather, spiritual formation is an intentional, daily pursuit of intimacy with Christ in all areas of our life. And each of us has a part to play in how deeply and how quickly we become more like Jesus. Now, the problem with spiritual formation in the church today is that far too many people are what I would call passport Christians. Here's what I mean. If you want to travel to a foreign country, you have to have a passport, right? But in order to get a passport, you have to apply for it. You have to fill out lots of paperwork. And then you have to gather a bunch of documentation to prove that you are who you say you are. And often when you get a passport, you even have to declare what your intentions are in regards to your travel. Well, the church in our culture today has treated Christianity very similar to like this, or, or eternity to like this, right? We all want to enter a foreign land, right? Like heaven. We all want to get to heaven. And so we want to get our passport. So we get all of our documentation together, and we work out all of our theology, if you will. So we know what we believe, why we believe it. We have the answers to questions when people ask us. And then once we prove who we say we are, like so we make some kind of public declaration, or we, we get baptized, we make some proclamation of faith, Well, then we get, you know, approved for our passport or the church confirms that, yes, you've made that decision. And then we receive our passport in the mail and we're ready for travel. But for most people, 
too often in Christianity, that's where we stop. We got the passport, I'm good to go. But the bad thing about a passport is what? I heard it. They expire. And so you have to stay on top of these things in order to make sure that your continual travel doesn't get interrupted. So what most people do is they tend to forget about that. And then, oh, they they realize I got to hurry up and and renew my passport. And so they quickly scramble and they get everything together and they renew their passport. But most people, unfortunately, do what? They just let it expire. And they ignore it. And they wait until they have to get one in order to make that trip that they're hoping to make. Well, Christians can do the same thing. We can ignore our own spiritual formation and drift. And then something happens in life, right? Like we bump up against some issue or some person and something really ugly comes out of us and we go, ooh, that's not good. And so we, we quickly correct course, right? We renew our passport before it expires. Unfortunately, some Christians go even further. They allow their faith to drift so far, or they allow their passport to expire, that they wait until a crisis hits them, and they're not ready for it. But then they're desperately trying to get their faith in order just to try and get them through this immediate need that they have. But what I want to submit to you this morning is that we are supposed to be more than just well-seasoned travelers who are organized and keep their passport current. We're actually supposed to be dual citizens. Now, this is taking travel to the next level, right? A dual citizen has rights in both countries that they have citizenship in. And so they have a vested interest in not only keeping their passport current, but keeping their connection with both countries strong. They need to be informed about both cultures. They need to be proficient in both languages. And they also need to be aware of the trappings and dangers in both places, maybe what the political climate is like and so forth. So for those of us who have decided that following Christ is the only way to truly be human, we have this dual citizenship. But the question we need to wrestle with is how well are we connected to both countries? And that's where spiritual formation comes into the picture. You know, in a lot of ways, spiritual formation relies on us simply learning how to listen to our own hearts. We need to be able to ask our hearts questions on a daily basis. I mean, when is the last time you took a moment, a deep breath, and just allowed your heart, your soul to tell you its condition? Because the thing you need to know is whatever the condition of your heart and soul is, that's going to be what surfaces when something in life bumps up against you. Look at what Jesus says in Luke 6, 45. He was in the thick of his Beatitudes sermon. And in verse 35, he says this, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good what? Heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. Catch this last verse here, this last phrase. What you say flows from what is in your heart. You ever had that moment where someone pushed you and then something really nasty came out and you're like, where did that come from? It came from within. It's been there all the time. You just haven't been paying attention to it. I like what the message translation says. It says it this way. You don't get wormy apples Off a healthy tree. That's a nice image for you, right? 
nor good apples off a diseased tree. The health of the apple tells the health of the tree. You must begin with your own life-giving lives. It's who you are, not what you say and do that counts. Your true being brims over into true words and deeds. So let me ask you the central question that we are asking in this series. How is your soul? I want to look at a passage from Proverbs this morning that I think will be instrumental in laying out the groundwork for what spiritual formation should look like. If you have your Bibles or your smart devices, you can turn to Proverbs chapter 4. We'll also put it up on the screens. But in Proverbs 4, verses 20 through 27, it says this. My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. This is our guide for spiritual formation. Now, the very first thing that it's telling us is that you need to care for your soul. It means that we need to have daily, weekly spiritual habits of embracing quiet, frequent prayer, scripture reading, community worship like we're doing right now, accountable relationships, and missional service so that we can recalibrate, recollect, and reorient our fragmented souls. Look again at that verse 23 in the text where it says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. So caring for our souls means caring for our hearts. Now think about this. The quality of your life is directly tied to the health of your heart and soul, which is determined by the level of care that you give to your soul. So how important should spiritual formation be to all of us? It's everything. So in regards to caring for your soul, and this question that we are asking in this series, how is your soul? There is a key factor here that is often overlooked. The question implicates responsibility on the person being asked. By me asking you this question, how is your soul? I am stating that the person responsible for your spiritual growth, your spiritual formation is who? You. It's you. Scripture tells us, look, going back to to Proverbs uh, 4, guard your heart above else. You guard your heart for it determines the course of your life. This is your doing. Listen carefully to my words. You listen. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart. This is something that we have to do. The Bible is clear about our responsibility to care for our own souls. Now, I might step on some toes here, and it's not my intention to bring conviction. But it also means that when you come here, you need to engage. Now, I'm not saying this because it just makes me feel good when I'm up here or it encourages the worship team when they're up here leading, but it's for your own sake because God isn't going to force himself onto you. You have to choose 
to engage. Take advantage of the freedoms that we have here to worship without abandon. I mean, when's the last time, unless you, I mean, when you have a physical ailment, when it's time to worship, we should be standing and not with our hands in our pockets. And again, I'm not trying to create a a stereotype of how we should all look, but if you can get emotional and loud for a sports team or for a celebrity of your choosing, the creator of the universe sent his son to die on the cross for your behalf, all right? You can have a little emotion. It's okay. And again, I'm not talking about a pep rally where we're just going to pretend to get all hype, but just being honest with yourself. God did something major for you, and it should be expressed in how we worship. That passage also, though, it doesn't say just go to church and let your pastor feed you spiritually. Because, again, all implications of what I read in Scripture is that it's my responsibility to feed and care for my soul and no one else. It always saddens me when when people leave a church, any church, not just ours, And then the reason that they give is because they say, you know, I'm just not being fed anymore. And so I need to go find a new church. Can I just say that that's such a sad excuse for leaving a church? I don't care how great your church is. I don't care how gifted your pastors are. At some point, if you are growing, the Sunday sermons don't always offer you new information. You need to dig deeper on your own from time to time. Now, I'm not suggesting that that gives any of us a pass on church attendance. What I am suggesting is that the church is not responsible for caring for your soul. You are. I used to have a buddy. He would always complain about one of our pastors would always give his annual financial message called the 101080 message. We used to always kind of joke about it. He'd be like, oh, I'm so sick of this stupid message. And he would have such a negative attitude. And so I would ask him, well, do you agree with the message? He said, yeah. How are you doing on it? Silence. Because the reality is, we're going to teach things that, yeah, I already know that. But how are you doing at it? Because it's not about knowing. It's about how you're living. So don't just have the information. Live out the information. The church is here to encourage, and yes, even at times, teach something new and in seasons equip you. But if you're not a self-feeder in life, you're only living on a fraction of the spiritual diet that you actually need. I mean, think about this for a second. There are 10,080 minutes in a given week. I researched this with a calculator. Okay? You spend about 80 of them here for service each week. That means that you have 10,000 minutes left in your week. Who do you think has the most influence over your spiritual formation given this breakdown of time? We have 80 minutes to influence you. You're responsible for what you do with the other 10,000. There's no comparison. So stop looking outward, if you are, for someone else to pull you into spiritual growth and start getting intentional about heading in the right direction. Which leads us to the second point that we get from that passage of Proverbs. Going back to Proverbs 4, you need to care for your soul, but you also need to care for your direction. Our intentions can be one thing, but our direction ultimately determines our destination. So going back and looking at that passage in Proverbs, look at what it says at the end of that chapter. It says, look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. 
Keep your feet from following evil. This is all about direction. We need to be paying serious attention to the direction of our lives. Look at what Jesus himself says when commenting on God's commands. Jesus says this, And I know his commands lead to eternal life. So I say whatever the Father tells me to say. That key word there is lead. It implies a direction, a path, a destination. Have you ever started going in one direction, confident in your path, and then found it led to the wrong place? Yeah, my first road trip with my wife was like that. (laughs) She was going to college at Georgia Tech in Atlanta. I was stationed in the military in Panama, Central America, and I went up to visit her, and she wanted to go see her childhood friend Mandy, who lived in Athens. Like It's like the one hippie town that Georgia allows to exist. And so we were going to go there, but Georgia, like when roads are going east and west, they're still named north and south, which doesn't make sense to a Phoenician because, you know, we live in a grid. And so Mandy being confident, this is, you know, before GPS, before smartphones, you know, if you didn't have a gas station map, you were just relying on someone's directions. And so her friend Mandy being confident, she lives in Athens, she knows how to get there, said, hey, take 75 south, and when you get to the 85 junction, you take 85 south, they'll bring you right into Athens. And so we're bebopping along, 75 south, you get to 85 junction, 85 south, we're bebopping along, enjoying the greenery. Next thing you know, we see a sign that says, welcome to Alabama. (laughs) I am not kidding. I never wanted to go to Alabama. I still don't want to go back, but we crossed that state line. I had to turn around. It was a miserable trip. It was so long. It was a huge detour. So you see, it's our direction, not our intentions, that ultimately determines our destination. I mean, we are truly creatures of the heart. And whichever direction our desires are going, that is where our actions will go as well. The quality of the desires that we allow to rule our hearts will end up leading us somewhere. And God has a place for, it to go, for us to go, but our souls can get off track. You know, Ignatius of Loyola, he was an early church saint known for helping others nurture their interior life. He suggested that our soul moves according to the events and emotions of our days. So in order to make sure that we have firm footing on the right path, we have to develop some strong daily spiritual habits. Because spiritual habits create a path for us to arrive at God's best for us. And that leads us to the last part of what this passage of Proverbs is teaching us. So we need to care for your soul. You need to care for your direction. And thirdly, you need to care for your habits. I mean, let's face it. We become our habits, don't we? I mean, think about what eating habits or drinking habits or relationship habits or other habits, financial, will build or break us over a lifetime. How does this relate to your soul? Let's look back at our passage in Proverbs. Look what it tells us. It says, avoid all perverse talk. That's a habit. Stay away from corrupt speech. That's a habit. Don't get sidetracked. Be intentional. Develop a habit. Keep your feet from following evil. That's intention. That's a habit. These are habits that we intentionally form in order to guard and nurture our heart. And it's these habits that help us care for our direction in life. Look at what it says in Galatians um, chapter 6, verses 8 through 9. 
It says, those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. And listen to this part. So let's not get tired of doing what is good, or I would say let's not get tired of committing ourselves to intentional spiritual formation. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. That phrase, doing what is good, it reminds me that I need to be doing things that are good for my soul. And so developing good spiritual habits because they enable me to continue on that correct path that God has set for me. It brings my intentions and my actual direction together because that's what I want. So what are these habits? Well, the truth is is that most of them have been around for centuries. I mean, nothing that I could drop is going to be new, right? In fact, one of the hills that we die on here at Reveal is making the timeless relevant. And that's what we're talking about in this entire series, getting back to our spiritual roots so that the church, us, a collective of of people, a community of people, can be at its best and reach its full potential. And so, yeah, it means we need to develop some daily habits, things like keeping a regular Sabbath, fasting. I know, God forbid, right? Silence and solitude. We should have created times that are fixed for prayer just to keep our day focused on who we are as followers of Christ. We need to find what our sacred pathways are for worship and then invest in those things. We should be in the habit of memorizing scripture. I mean, there's so many apps and tools out there that this should really be an easy one. Marty's a little old school. He has like this little file folder that he keeps that has like index cards in them with the scriptures written on there. And every now and then I'll see him sitting in a chair and just kind of flipping through those, reading them. He'll read it and flip it over. Yeah, yeah, I got that one right. I've always been tempted to insert something false in there, right? You know, um, just to see if he catches it. But we need to learn how to meditate on Scripture. Learn ancient practices like Lexio Divina, where this practice of learning how to truly allow Scripture to speak to you. You know, one of the things that you can start doing today is just the daily examine that St. Ignatius of Loyola developed. I took the liberty of inserting it into your bulletins. If you don't have a physical bulletin, I asked Laura, our, our web guru, to put a link on the website so you can download a copy of that for yourself. But I'd like to challenge you just to do this each day throughout the entire month that we're going through this series. I mean, essentially, it's just a gut check at the end of the day. It's a series of heart questions that you ask yourself. So what would it look like for all of us to care for our interior lives, right? Like, what would it look like if we helped our community become more like Jesus in a deeper way? I mean, are you all in for soul care? I mean, do you want to see a revolution in your life? I do. Committing ourselves to a daily rhythm of morning prayer Scripture reading, frequent prayer, evening prayer, and a daily examine, it can change everything. Because new habits essentially mean a new you. You know, Psalm 1 tells us that when we take spiritual formation seriously and become the kind of followers of Christ who seek Him daily, that we become like trees planted along the riverbank bearing fruit each season. 
Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. Think about that image. Maybe even close your eyes and just imagine it. We're supposed to be like trees, which means we may start out as a little seed with all this potential, but our purpose is to grow strong and tall. And what helps us to grow is that we need to have good roots. We need to have a source, a good source of water and nutrients that are surrounding us. I mean, think about trees that are in the forest, right? They're big and tall. Don't think about the landscaping trees in, in Surprise and on Mirage, right? Look, those trees have weak and shallow roots. And anytime like someone blows, they like, you know, it looks like a tornado came through town. It's like well, there was wind for like five minutes and you would think we just had like a national tragedy here. You know, it just tipped all over the place. Now, I'm talking about big trees, right? Trees that look formidable. They're strong. They provide shade and comfort from the hot sun. These kind of trees, they provide a place of community for animals seeking shelter. Trees make the environment around them healthier. They provide food for nourishment, and when storms come or harsh weather, they have the ability to stand and endure the testing that comes their way. This is the image that the Bible gives us as to what kind of people we're supposed to be. So like well-planted trees, we need to be continually growing so that we too will produce the kind of fruit and nourishment in our lives that will not only benefit us, but those who are around us. But let me restate what I said earlier. Spiritual growth, spiritual formation is not just something that happens to us. We each have a part to play in becoming the trees that God intended us to become through our daily habits. And these habits are what we call spiritual formation. How we stretch out our roots daily in prayer, study, self-care, community life, family, friendship, work. We're going to talk about all these over the next couple weeks. And mission. They all have something to do with our growth. So here's our motto throughout this series. Personal spiritual growth is what? Intentional. Intentional, Which means the responsibility lies with who? Us, each each of us. It is a series of daily choices to be like Jesus, made with conviction and accountability, on which then the Spirit breathes. And that's when the life really takes form. So you need to ask yourself, am I rooting my daily identity in my relationship with Jesus? Or am I increasingly putting my identity in my tasks and responsibilities, the relationships or the ministry or the career or the vision that I have. And if it's not rooted in Jesus, how do I get back on the right path? I'd like to invite the band to to come on up. We're going to do a little bit more worship. But I want to close with a quote from Ignatius of Loyola. If anyone knew how to care for the inner self, it was him. He says this, I call it consolation when the soul is aroused by an interior movement which causes it to be inflamed with the love of its creator and Lord and consequently can love no created thing in this world for its own sake but only in the creator of all things. I call consolation any increase of faith, hope, and charity 
And any interior joy that calls and attracts to heavenly things and to the salvation of one's soul, inspiring it with peace and quiet in Christ our Lord. I call desolation all that is contrary to consolation. As darkness of soul, turmoil of the mind, inclination to low and earthly things, restlessness resulting from many disturbances and temptations, which leads to loss of faith, loss of hope, and loss of love. It is also desolation when a soul finds itself completely apathetic, tepid, sad, and separated, as it were, from its creator and Lord. For just as consolation is contrary to desolation, so the thoughts that spring from consolation are the opposite of those that spring from desolation. And if there's anything we've learned in life, what you think about, you eventually feel And what you feel, you eventually what? You do. So one final time before we worship, let me ask you, how is your soul? We're going to remain standing as we close in prayer. Oh, Spirit of God, my soul can fluctuate between faith and fear moment to moment. Lord, we choose to pursue intimate communion with you as our daily rhythm and remedy. Let your presence center us each morning, displacing turmoil, fear, and anxiety. Lord, use our hands to do the works that you have created us for and use our lives to bring others to the new life that you give. In Jesus' name I ask these things. Amen. All right, guys, may the grace of God be with you all now and forever. Amen. Hey, don't tell me anything about World Cup scores or anything, please. I'm going to watch it later. I don't want to know anything. Heaven is coming down.